Welcome to See It or Shove It. I'm your host, Greg, and I'm here again this week to give you my thoughts on a selection of new movies playing in theaters and streaming on your TV. Also this week, I give my thoughts on a streaming series in the segment Binge It or Singe It. For our featured movies this week, singer Harry Styles has a forbidden love affair in My Policeman. Weird Al Yankovic tells his life story in a way only he can in Weird, the Al Yankovic story. Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell get the holiday season started with Spirited. And we return to the land of Wakanda in Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Let's get started. In the 1950s, a local policeman falls for a museum curator and becomes entangled in a secret life. This is my policeman. This love is all-consuming. I pity people who don't know what it feels like to be this in love. Come with me. Just you and I. He's trying to destroy our marriage. They're hiding. They're lies. You know nothing about being married to... Stop! telling me what I'm supposed to think about it. The film is set primarily in England in the 1950s, where Marion, a teacher played by the Crown's Emma Corrin, meets a local policeman named Tom, played by international superstar Harry Styles. After a while, the two become a couple and are introduced to museum curator Patrick, played by David Dawson. It isn't long before Patrick becomes a third wheel in their relationship, joining them on their excursions and dates. For a while, no one seems to mind as they have a great rapport with each other. However, one drunken night, Tom and Patrick discover a forbidden affection for one another, an affection that was illegal during those times. Can they keep their love affair a secret, or will it eventually tear apart Tom's marriage to Marion? I give this film a... Mild See It. The film, currently streaming on Amazon Prime, opens in the 1990s, where the now-retired trio are reunited when Patrick, played in later years by Rupert Everett, suffers a stroke and Marion, played in later years by Gina McKee, is guilt-ridden and welcomes him into their home where he can recover under her care, even though Tom, played in later years by Linus Roach, isn't as agreeable to this setup. The crux of the story is told in memories after Marion discovers Patrick's journals. I really enjoyed this film once it got going. The first third moved at a slumbering pace, but once the affair started and Marion began to suspect the relationship between Patrick and Tom to be much closer than she thought, it played like a solid drama. Styles seems to only be cast in roles set in the long-ago past. I mean, I've Dunkirk... Don't worry, darling. And now this all seemed to be set in the 1950s or 60s. Um, But I guess he just has that look that serves those time periods well. He is an adequate enough actor, but I'm not convinced he is yet skilled enough to carry a film. But he does have good potential, though. And while the sex scenes were pretty graphic, actually so much so that my dog was glued to the TV, the film itself had a darker story than the one that was told. I think it played it a little bit too safe with the material. But that said, this is another one of those films that's getting skewered by the critics, but it was entertaining enough to me to be an enjoyable watch. 
Next, in the 1980s, a man builds a successful career parodying popular music, only to have his career jeopardized by Madonna. This is Weird, the Al Yankovic story. First, we gotta find you a stage name. Al Yankovic. It's long, it's hard to pronounce. So I'm just gonna throw this out there. Weird, Al Yankovic. I love it. Taken the world by storm. Do I know you? Madonna, I was wondering if you were going to do a parody of my song, Like a Virgin. Now, curious, is that song autobiographical? Yes. <laughs> Except for the fact that I've had a lot of sex. This film, which is a parody of biopics, so most of it is fabricated, begins when Al Yankovic, played in his youth by David Bloom, is a child who loves coming up with alternate lyrics to famous songs. His father, played by Toby Huss, is adamant that he not desecrates such songs and forbids him to continue this hobby. His mother, played by Emmy winner Julianne Nicholson, buys him an accordion. When his father finds out his son was at an illicit polka party, well, aren't all polka parties illicit? He destroys the instrument as well as his relationship with his son, Flash forward to adulthood when Al, now played by Harry Potter himself, Daniel Radcliffe, who is hilarious in this role, is living with three roommates and living life as a struggling accordion player. One day, while making a sandwich, he comes up with the lyrics to My Bologna after hearing My Sharona on the radio. When the song takes off, so does Al's career. He forms a band with his roommates and they start hitting the charts with songs such as I Love Rocky Road and Another One Rides the Bus, which is developed at a hilarious pool party scene. Al's career hits big time and he becomes a worldwide sensation, attracting the eye of mega superstar Madonna, played to perfection by Evan Rachel Wood. Looking to have Al help boost sales of her upcoming album Like a Virgin by recording the parody Like a Surgeon, Madonna begins a torrid love affair with him and begins leading him astray from what made him successful, much in the same way that Yoko Ono allegedly did with the Beatles. Can Al save his career from the clutches of Madonna before it's too late? I give this film a... See it. This film is a hilarious satire on the biopic genre. Like I said, most of it is not true. Al never had a love affair with Madonna. In fact, he recently said his interactions with her were limited to about 15 seconds when he once met her. But regardless of the fiction, this movie is so much fun to watch. Radcliffe is great as Weird Al, and the script is peppered with enough smart humor to make this satire prevent itself from falling over the edge as many satires tend to do. The real treasure of this film is Wood, who becomes Madonna, perfecting her mannerisms and voice. She is a hoot to watch. The film is currently streaming for free on the Roku Channel app and is worth checking out, especially if you grew up in the era at the height of Weird Al's popularity. There are so many Easter eggs for you to see and plenty of great cameos sprinkled throughout the film. 
Up next, the Charles Dickens classic tale gets its 17,000th adaptation in Apple TV's musical rendition, This is Spirited. I told you, the guy is a level 20 bang in the Dickens. Come on, I can take this guy. I'm your ghost of Christmas present. La 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 la, I'm not watching your dramatic re-encrapment. Hey, I'm haunting you. You can't just run away from me when I'm haunting you. Hello? believe he can be a positive force for mankind and he's got his hands all over everything yeah i wish Maude, are you texting hr no. by now i'm sure you've seen at least one or two or 20 adaptations of a christmas carol spirited starring will ferrell ryan reynolds and oscar winner octavia spencer gives the tale a twist by telling it from the perspective of the three ghosts in this version, the ghosts are played by Farrell as present, Sunita Mani as past, and Tracy Morgan as the voice of Christmas yet to come. Each year, they, along with their boss, Jacob Marley, played by stage actor Patrick Page, choose one miserable person whose life is in need of transformation, not only for themselves, but for all of those in their lives and community. It's that time of year when they choose the person to research and transform, and this year, Present insists on selecting Clint Briggs, a miserable, nasty asshole who works as a social media manipulator whose sole purpose is to spread disinformation throughout the world to make it a more horrible place that ruins the lives of those in it. Marley insists that Briggs is not a good candidate because he is deemed as unredeemable, but Present won't give up on the challenge. Briggs is someone without a moral backbone, even stooping so low as to help his estranged niece with the aid of his executive assistant, Kimberly, played by Spencer, get opposition research on a classmate running for student council. Present becomes obsessed with redeeming Briggs, who somehow gets a hold of information that shows Present is not all he seems to be. Earlier this month, I predicted this film would be a shove-it, and after seeing it, I give this film a... See it. What a joyful surprise this film was. This was the mystery movie that was shown at Regal last week. It was an enjoyable way to kickstart the holiday season. It is a full-blown musical rendition of the Dickens classic, and although Farrell, Reynolds, and Spencer are not known for their vocal prowess, their music was fun and, dare I say, spirited. The tunes were written by the Oscar-winning team behind La La Land and The Greatest Showman, so you can imagine how catchy they are. When I predicted this to be a shove-it, I was afraid that Farrell and Reynolds would irritate the hell out of me, as their films sometimes do. However, they were appropriately restrained to the material and pulled off their roles quite well. Octavia Spencer, whom I adore, and honestly, I want to be her friend, was slightly wasted in her role. She had some big moments, but I found her role wasn't fleshed out as much as it could have been. She was great, though, with what she had. Is this film going to be on my list for the best of the year? Eh, that's unlikely, although I haven't been bowled over by much this year, so you never know. But it is a lovely way to start the holiday season, and I think you will enjoy it. Finally, the Marvel Universe 
pays its respects to one of the greatest and returns to Wakanda for another battle. This is Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. We know what you whisper. The film opens after the death of T'Challa, King of Wakanda, played in the previous film by the brilliant Chadwick Boseman, who suddenly died of cancer in 2020. T'Challa's sister Shuri, played by Letitia Wright, believes he could have been cured with the heart-shaped herb destroyed by Killmonger and is racked with guilt. A year goes by, and Wakanda has become a target of countries in search of their vibranium. They face attacks by supposed allies, and this forces Shuri, under the urging of Queen Mother Ramonda, in a fierce performance by Oscar nominee Angela Bassett, to continue researching the heart-shaped herb so that they can create a new Black Panther to protect their land. When an entire CIA search team is attacked and killed while searching for vibranium, Wakanda becomes the prime suspect and target. However, the culprit for the attack was Namor, the king of Talokan, an underwater civilization which also possesses vibranium. Namor, played by Tanakh Huerta Mejia, is known to his people as the feathered serpent god Kukulkan, and he isn't messing around. He threatens Wakanda with destruction unless they bring him the scientist responsible for creating the vibranium detection machine that the CIA was using. Shuri and Okoye, played by Denai Guerrera, go to Boston and discover the machine was created by Riri Williams, a young student at MIT, played by Dominique Thorne. After another attack by Namor's warriors, Shuri and Riri are captured by Namor and brought to Tolokan. Ramonda punishes Okoye for her failure to protect her daughter and summons the help of Nakia, T'Challa's former lover now living in Haiti and played by Oscar winner Lupita Nyong'o. Ramonda enlists her help in getting Shuri back. Can Nakia succeed in her rescue attempt without causing a war between the two lands? When I saw this trailer last month, I predicted it would be a see-it. And I rated a... See it. The film is a touching tribute to Bozeman, and at the same time gives the remaining characters a chance to forge ahead with their own storylines. The performances were all good, although I would have loved to have seen more of Nyong'o. I think she's great in everything. The standout of the film was Bassett, who was given much more to play with than the previous film. If the Academy wasn't so snooty towards superhero films, I think Bassett would have a chance for a supporting actress nomination this year. She was really that good, but that's unlikely to happen. Although the previous film remains the only Marvel film nominated for Best Picture, so who knows? The film sustained my interest for most of its 2 hours and 41 minutes, 
Although, you know me, I think it could have shaved about a half hour off and not lost anything. See, I went to school to be a journalist, and brevity was what we were always told to do when writing. Don't fluff it up, just say what you have to say. So I think that's why I have an aversion to extremely long movies. But anyway, as far as long movies go, I was invested in most of it. I think anyone who enjoys films in the Marvel Universe will enjoy this for the most part, even with its few flaws in storyline and pacing. It will probably have a good run at the box office, and is worth checking out over the Thanksgiving holiday if you're looking for something to see. Oh, and stay for the credits. There is a pivotal scene midway through. That's it for this week's featured films. To recap, My Policeman is streaming on Amazon Prime now and is a mild see-it. Weird, the Al Yankovic story is streaming on the Roku channel app and is a see-it. Spirited is in very select theaters now and streaming on Apple TV Plus beginning this Friday and is a see-it. And Black Panther, Wakanda Forever is in theaters now and is a see-it. Picking my pick of the week was difficult this week between Spirited and Black Panther Wakanda Forever, but if I could only choose one to watch again, I guess I'd pick Spirited. It was such a pleasant surprise and put a smile on my face. Now it's time for my lightning round reviews of some additional movies in my segment called Quick Picks. Academy Award winner Jennifer Lawrence stars with Brian Tyree Henry in the character study Causeway, which is streaming on Apple TV Plus now. It is an emotional slow burn of a film that showcases Lawrence in her best performance in years. So I give that one a see it. And Margaret Qualley stars in the thriller Stars at Noon about a journalist trapped in Nicaragua. It is streaming on Hulu, and I rate it as a shove it. It just moved too much at a snail's pace to enjoy. Now, let's move on to this week's Binge It or Singe It! In the mid-1970s, a child abductor kidnapped a neighbor's daughter not once, but twice. This is a friend of the family. Robert Birchstall doesn't feel emotions the way that we do. He will lie and manipulate to get the only thing that he wants. You remember what I told you? These are our special. Who is her father? Him or me? Him? You knew something. You would tell us, right? Streaming on Peacock, this limited series tells the true story of the Broberg family, and how they were deceived multiple times and in many different circumstances by their neighbor, Bob Birchtold. Played in creepy fashion by the Emmy-nominated White Lotus actor Jake Lacey. Starting in 1974, Bob begins a friendship with fellow church members and neighbors Bob Broberg, played by Emmy nominee Colin Hanks, who bears a striking resemblance to his father Tom, and also his wife Marianne Broberg, played by Oscar winner Anna Paquin. Gaining their trust and confidence, he begins to groom their pre-teenage daughter Jan, played by Hendrix Yancey and later by Emmy nominee McKenna Grace. 
He abducts her the first time in 1974 and keeps her for a month when he convinces her that they have been abducted by aliens and must now bear Bob's child in order to save their alien race and her family. Completely brainwashed, Jan believes the story for years, and the Brobergs declined to press charges out of fear of blackmail regarding Birchtold's affairs with both Bob and Marianne Broberg. Completely beholden to Birchtold, Jan continues to pine for him and escapes her house and is kidnapped again two years later. This series was addictive from the start. The story was also told in the 2017 documentary Abducted in Plain Sight, and this show makes me want to seek that out. I think it might be on Netflix. I'll have to look. Each episode is so maddening to watch because you just want to smack the shit out of the parents who are seemingly more worried about social embarrassment than the safety of their daughter, and they are way too trusting of their neighbors. They continue to have contact with the abductor after they return from the first kidnapping. But regardless, the performances are all on point and the episodes are completely bingeable. In fact, I started the series last night and watched it all day today, finishing just before writing this podcast. It's only nine episodes, so you can get it done in a day or two. If you are a fan of true crime, I think you would definitely enjoy this series, and it is definitely a binge it. Well, this concludes our episode for this week. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to listen. As always, I'm very, very grateful for your support. Support your local theaters by going to see some of the movies I reviewed this month. And while you're at it, share my podcast with your movie and TV loving friends and family in person and on social media. Come back next week for more reviews of the latest films in theaters and on streaming services. It's actually getting to that point in the year when studios start inundating theaters with new titles, and I, for one, can't wait. I'm going to be busy the next two weeks with at least 15 new releases, including next week's The Menu, starring Oscar nominee Ray Fiennes as a malevolent chef, and Oscar nominee Carrie Mulligan and Zoe Kazan as New York Times journalists trying to take down Harvey Weinstein in She Said. Follow me on Instagram at Brewster's Dad 73 and rate me wherever you get your podcast. I'll catch you next time. Have a great week, everyone. This episode of See It or Shove It was recorded in Orlando, Florida and is produced by Gregory G. Productions. Music by Mysterio Music. All rights reserved. <laughs>